Hey everyone, this is Rabbi Brian. If these podcasts have been a blessing to you, will you please consider being a blessing to the nation of Haiti? Mishkan David supports two works of the Lord in Haiti. First is our orphanage, Beth Besed, which means House of Kindness, where 40 children are cared for each day, both spiritually and physically. And of course, there's our own Rabbi Peter Oliveira, who's setting Haiti ablaze by restoring it back to Yeshua, restoring it back to Torah, and to the Jewish roots of our faith in Messiah. Listen, to learn more, please visit www.torahforhaiti.org. That's T-O-R-A-H, number four, Haiti.org. There you can give a tax-deductible financial blessing and sponsor a child for only $20 a month. Hey, thanks for considering, and may Adonai bless you. Enjoy this podcast, which was recorded at our Mishkan David Shabbat service in Rhode Island. Shalom. We're going to start with a little test. If you can't read the top, it says, uh, is that clean or unclean, uh, meaning kosher or not kosher? Uh, the biblical term for kosher or not kosher or unkosher is clean and unclean. Tahor is clean and Tuma is unclean. Uh, so here's, here's the question. A tortoise appears on the screen. Okay. Clean or unclean? Okay, answer is unclean. Next. Now a goose. Who says kosher? Don't, don't, don't feel ashamed to just answer. Who says unkosher? Okay, couple, okay, so we got some difference. Answer is kosher. It is a goose. What did you think it was? You didn't know what it was. All right, there you go. Now an antelope. That's true. Clean or unclean? Who says kosher? Who says unclean? <laughs> Answer is clean. Armadillo. Who says clean? Kosher. Who says unclean, unkosher? It is unclean. Even the holiday armadillo, who wishes everybody a happy Hanukkah, is also unclean. All right, I'm going to leave that there. And I'm going to now switch directions to the Torah portion. Uh, Kasia, you did a great job, Kasia. And, and Kasia said it just right. Uh, remember a couple weeks ago when we did the anointing and the washing and things like that? That was the first day of the first month of the year. In this week's Torah portion, it speaks about more details of what happened on that day, the first day of the first month of the year. Uh, it was opening day for the Mishkan, opening day for the tabernacle. We went through the whole process of building it. Uh, the priests had went through a process of learning about the sacrifices. And Aaron and his sons, as was shared, went through a seven-day consecration period. And now it is the first day of the first month, and it is opening day for the Mishkan. So there are sacrifices being made, there's the washings, there's the anointings, Aaron and Moses go into the tabernacle, they come out, Aaron blesses the people for the very first time, first time that's ever said, after all is done, right according to God's prescribed instructions, fire comes out from the Lord, consumes the offering, and everybody falls on their face. It's like a revival moment. It's this amazing thing. God has blessed the day. He's blessed everything. Everything was done according to plan. And his fire came out, consumed the offering. Hallelujah. Then, until, 
Aaron's sons, Nadav and Avihu, mostly uh, anglicized as to, to Nadab and Abayu, Nadav and Avihu uh, decide to add a little bit of uh, sugar and spice and everything nice. So they take their little pan. I mean, why not, right? I mean, there's all this commotion going on, all this mayhem going on. There's worship. There's amazing things, anointings and washings, all this incredible things going on. So they're like, what's a, what's a little incense going to hurt? So they take their little pan, they put in their little sugar and spice, they take their little fire, offer it to the Lord, hallelujah, here's my incense, Lord. And the same fire that consumed the offering consumed them. And this great day of praise and celebration turned into a great day of mourning. When I shared about this last year, I said, our ancestors sure know how to ruin a good time. <laughs> Let me table that for a minute, because when you think about what Nadav and Avihu did, it really didn't seem so bad. What's wrong with a little incense? What's wrong with a little incense? I mean, we could be worshiping here, having a holy time, and, you know, somebody, there could be incense going up, you know? What's wrong with a little incense? So let me take, maybe put that, that aside as well. And let me speak about a little bit about what happened when I first came to Mishkan David. How many people have ever been to Mishkan David for the first time at some point in their life? <laughs> so the congregation I came out of in New Jersey was a Messianic Jewish congregation, and it was a little more uh, structured, let's just say. You know, the praise and worship, everybody sat in their seats and they praised and worshiped while the, you know, we didn't have, you know, somebody who can choose to grab a flag or somebody to go down on the floor or, or somebody to come and worship or somebody to run around or who knows. There wasn't a lot of commotion outside of just everybody kind of sat in their seats and sang the songs, you know. So I come to Mishkan David and really for the first time in my life, I, I experience a very free type of worship celebration. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of neat. You know, this is, a, this is pretty cool. So this was a very freeing time for, uh, for Susie and me. We had an amazing time when we first came to Mishkan David, and it was really God answering a lot of prayers for us, like, whoa, this is, this is really awesome. And um, I remember a couple weeks later, we went to dinner with Rabbi Peter and Lisa at their home when they lived in North Smithfield that way, that way. And uh, we were at, at their home eating dinner, and I was grilling him with questions. I'm like, all right, Rabbi Peter. I, I, I see how things are done here, and I kind of like it, but i got to ask you some questions. And I was asking him tough questions. What do you do with the tithe money? You know? Like, you know, honest but rough questions. And one of the questions I asked was, you know, at Mishkan David, it seems that people can kind of do whatever they want. You know, people can come up, and they run, and they shout, and, and or whatever it is, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of boundary about what people can do. And he says, do you have any boundaries as far as what anybody does ever? And he says, he said the following, and Susie remembers what he said too, because it still, it, it still spoke, speaks to us this day. I said to him, what if somebody comes, run to the stage, does a backflip off the stage? Like, would you prevent that from happening? For some reason, I asked him that weird question. What would you do if somebody did backflips off the stage? And he said the following. He said, well, there's backflips in the natural, and there's backflips in the spirit. And I have to be able to discern 
if a backflip was done in the natural, in the flesh, or the backflip was done in the spirit? And I said, that's a pretty good answer. I said, well, good luck with all that. Glad I ain't the rabbi. Until... Let me switch gears again. It didn't take very long until I was tested in the same thing. And needless to say, if there's such a thing as failing the test in the Lord, when in a way it's not, he's just growing us. Let me explain just certain things about things that are happening in the natural and things that are happening in the spirit and how I felt that I failed the test at that time. Two, it was, one, it was the, my first Rosh Hashanah as rabbi, trumpets. Everybody's bringing their shofars. You know, we're celebrating, we're, we're sounding the shofars. You know, everybody has one. Everybody, all over the place. All of a sudden, two elders come approach to me, and they said, there's a woman, she's blowing the shofar, you got to tell her to stop. There are demons coming out of her shofar. And I said, there is? I don't see it. Is that a backflip in the natural or a backflip in the spirit? What the heck am I supposed to do now? Am I supposed to go over to this person and say, uh, excuse me, can you stop blowing the shofar? There are demons coming out of your shofar. Am I supposed to do that? Is that my role as rabbi? I didn't see it. So I think, if I remember correctly, we just kind of prayed and said, Lord, just whatever you want to do here, we, we put, bring the, the situation before you. Turned out that this woman actually like, stopped blowing the shofar, and she left, and she never came back. Weird. <laughs> And I left that Shabbat feeling so defeated. I left that Shabbat going, is that my job? To be able to look at two people blowing the shofar, which looks practically identical, and to say, that's demonic, that's holy. Is that my job? I'm like, oh my gosh. If that's my job, I don't want this job at all because I don't know when things are so subtly different. There was a time, I don't remember what day it was, it was only one time, this, this, this woman came to the service wearing this big white gown and she brought her own flags and she started handing the flags to everybody, including elders and I'm looking at this, I'm like, what is happening here? Is this unauthorized fire or is it not? Is this a backflip in the natural or a backflip in the spirit? And I'm like, I'll tell you this, every ounce of my being was like, this is not right. This is not kosher. This is not kosher. Clean or unclean? It's a fish. It's got fins and scales, clean or unclean? Clean. clean. So I was looking at this woman, and I'm like, is this clean or unclean? Is this, is this kosher or not kosher? Every ounce of my being, and I'm looking at elders with the flag. They're waving these flags from this stranger, and I'm like, what is going on here? And I didn't do anything about it because I didn't know if it was, I was like, well, maybe the elders know this person. They, they took their flags freely. I mean, my elders are very sensitive in the spirit. So I let it go. And I went home, and once again, I'm like, I'm just not coming back as rabbi ever. 
Because if this is, if I, if I have to understand the difference between holy and profane, when somebody's doing something that it could happen anytime and it's great, I, I don't want the job. And I'm going to confess something to you right now that I've never spoken of here. After all this happened, I would beg the Lord before service, please, Lord, nothing spiritual, please. Please, I want to go back to the way it was in New Jersey. Just let's play the music and sing like good little religious people. And I'll give a word, and we're just going to get out of here before anything weird happens. Because if something weird happens, people expect me to determine on the fly if it's really weird or not. And I can't do that. And I won't do it. I won't. Does God expect me to have that level of discernment? There is a scripture... Who found it? Elaine found it. Come on now. Here's one that's very familiar. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Oh yeah, the Pentecostals love this one. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, there it is, the discerning of spirits. To another, Various kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Okay, the Pentecostals are clapping. (laughs) Discernment of spirits. Before I talk about that, what is discernment anyway? So the way I see it, discernment is the ability to identify something that's not really easily identifiable. Like I could, I could just say like, you know, it's, it's not discernment to say that Cynthia is sitting right here. You know, but if Cynthia has maybe a countenance among herself, I might discern that something might be off or something might be wrong. You know, it's not the sir. Somebody says to you, you say, hey, how you doing? And somebody says, I'm fine. You know, you might, that might be okay. But if somebody says, I'm fine, you may be discerning that something is there. You know what I'm saying? So discerning is like, it's, it's not obvious to figure out, but yet you're able to figure it out. So discerning of spirits is the ability to identify a spirit even though it's really not obvious. The backflip in the natural and the backflip in the spirit. 
And I know that discerning of spirits is very often thought of in terms of identifying evil spirits, which is very useful in like deliverance sessions if somebody is dealing with a, a demonic possession or something like that. You know, it's, it, if somebody has that gift, say, okay, there's a spirit of fear that it's got to go or a spirit of uh, idolatry that's got to go. Um, and I've seen that, and I've seen that gift work effectively. But discernment of spirits, I believe, goes back to something that's a little deeper than just to be able to say, that's a spirit of love, that's a spirit of hatred, something like that. I believe there's something deeper in it, and let me ex explain from uh, 1 Kings 3. Now Solomon, the second, third king actually, of Israel, son of David Solomon, was sleeping, and the Lord spoke to him in a dream. And the Lord said, what do you want from me? You ask, what can I give to you? And Solomon answered in the dream, and he said, God, you've given me so much. What can I ask? I mean, you've been so faithful to my family. But here's what I, here's what I ask of you, God, and I'll read it. Give your, ser your servant, this is Solomon talking in his dream to God, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people to discern between good and evil. Okay? And when Solomon was, woke up, and the next story is the two mothers and the one, one baby was, was dead, and you know the story, right? And they brought it to Solomon. Solomon's usage of this gift, he asked for the gift of discernment, but he said to discern between good and evil. And when he used that gift, it wasn't like the two mothers came to him and said, this is the story, what's your decision? And he went, you're the mother, you're not. He used wisdom to get to the answer. The answer was not obvious, but it wasn't a download from the Spirit. He used his wisdom to bring forth the answer, and his discernment was to be able to judge righteously between two things, between matters, and to identify good and evil. Hebrews 5.14 says, solid food is for the mature, because who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So while I know that there is a gift of discernment of spirits where somebody can say, okay, this is the spirit that's operating. This is the spirit that's operating. I've seen it. I get it. I've witnessed it. I believe in it. I've seen it happen with brand new believers. Brand new believers. Okay, there's a demon there. I've seen it. I know what it is. But as its root, I believe that God wants us to be able to discern right from wrong, good and evil, and to be able to identify it. And the way to identify it is through the Word of God, which specifically states, this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is evil. It says the Word of God is alive, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to discern, able to, to, to separate between marrow and bone, between soul and spirit, to discern, to discern the intents and thoughts of the heart. The Word 
of God. And it says in Ezekiel of the end times high priests, which I believe we are, and they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the unholy and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. A giraffe appears on the screen. To be able to discern between the unclean and the clean. Clean or unclean? Who says clean? Who says unclean? Answer is clean. Giraffes are kosher. They got a nice kosher meal for like 20 years. But they don't, they're trying not to make that legal anymore, you know, that kind of game. Now a lizard. Clean or, ah, clean or unclean? <laughs> unclean. Clean. The screen now shows Rabbi Brian and Susie's pet cat, who is pawing at some sort of basket. Very clean to have as a pet, but to eat, thank God, it is unclean. Okay? And not just because he's eating an Easter basket. <laughs> yeah, right. Now a shark. Clean or unclean? Who says clean? Shark? Unclean. So I'm going to redirect again. This whole kosher food thing is completely misunderstood by most Christians. So independent of whether you can eat it or not, I don't care what you eat, go eat whatever you want. Okay? There's two uh, proof texts in the, in the New Testament that is normally concluded that God did away with the kosher laws. I tell you that it's impossible for the Messiah to change the Torah. He would not do it. The first thing is in, uh, in the Gospels when uh, Yeshua is... is, 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 is um, being taught, is being challenged about why their disciples are not washing their hands. And that's when he says, don't you know, it's not what comes in that makes you unclean. It's what, it's what comes out of your mouth that, that, that makes you unclean. If the, the conclusion of that, if you read, I believe it's in the Gospel of Matthew, the conclusion is, and therefore, Yeshua said that it is okay to eat food without washing your hands, as prescribed by the Pharisees. The whole dialogue is not about kosher foods. It's not, about what God, it's not about changing the laws that he put in place all those years ago. It's about, the conversation is about, do we need to wash our hands the way the Orthodox Jews of the time, the Pharisees, say you have to wash your hands? And Yeshua said no. That is the context of that whole section. It must be looked at in the context of what it is. And it ends with him specifically saying, therefore you do not have to wash your hands before you eat. That is the context. The next one is the vision from Peter on the, uh, on the, on the, on, on the roof of, uh, of, uh, of uh, who was it? Uh, I was there in Israel. I was at the house. Um, I don't remember who it was. The tanner, Simon the tanner. He's up on the roof, and, uh, you know, and he sees the vision of the, of the sheet with the unclean animals, and the voice from heaven says, go ahead and eat. And Peter says, no, Lord, I will not eat. I've never have eaten these things. First of all, that should give you a little bit of pause. Why would Peter, who walked with Yeshua all those years, say, no, Lord, I've never eaten those things in my life. Why, if, if Yeshua declared all things clean, kosher to eat, why wouldn't Peter just say, oh, yeah, that's what Yeshua said. I'm going to eat it. 
right? Why would he say, I've never eaten that before in my life? And, you know, why would he say that if Yeshua actually declared those things to be kosher? It's because he didn't, okay? So, so then, after that vision came about, then we know the story with Cornelius, uh, the Gentile, and God poured his spirit in the Gentile, on the Gentile, and, and, and it very specifically says, when Peter spoke about the vision, that God gave me a vision of the unclean animals that go ahead and eat, and the conclusion of it is that God does not call people unclean. That is, the, that is the conclusion of it. Again, it has nothing to do with, with changing kosher laws. Now, I don't care what you all do, but the, the law does not change. Okay? Whether you, whether you keep the law, and if you're Gentile, was, the law no, was never given to you anyway. So, so don't even, I'm not even saying you should be, you know, keeping kosher. Do what you want to do. It's between you and the Lord. I am saying that the New Testament never changed the laws. Period. Okay? So it is completely, it's very misunderstood, but here is an aspect of the kosher laws which, which pertain to all of us, whether or not you want to keep kosher in your life or not. Getting back which, to the first thing I put aside, which is Nadav and Avihu, right? So that's the sons of Aaron, and they, they, would, you know, they got zapped, right? Actually, in the Jewish tradition, it says that fire came out from the mercy seat and shot two lightning bolts up their nostrils, that's what the Talmud says. It was like total, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark type of thing, you know? And um, so anyway, so anyway, so after that happened, God was very stern with the children of Israel, with, with the priests, and said, You're gonna, I'm going to be holy through you, you folks. I'm going to be made holy through your folks. In other words, you've got to be careful of what you do. If I tell you to do this and not that, you better do this and not that. So he was very, very careful. He said, because you are the ones that have to teach the people to make discernment between clean and unclean. And he, right afterwards, immediately after the Nadav and Avihu narrative, comes the kosher laws. And the reason is, God wants us to be able to discern between good and evil what's right and what's wrong. And he gives us a simple instruction of identifying what's clean and unclean as far as animals. Forget the eating part. It is an instruction. It is, a, it is school from God to train us to know what's the difference between good and evil. What God is saying is that if you can't identify the simple things, you're going to have trouble identifying good and evil in weightier matters. So it's a total redirection of, oh, do we have to eat it? Do we not? Are we saved by the law? And all that kind of stuff that happens with, with, with these conversations. The kosher laws is practice for us in identifying what's clean and unclean. It exercises our gifts of discernment. While the spirit may give one person a spiritual gift of discernment to say you can identify spirits and this one can't, he's a healer or whatever it is, that doesn't come to everybody. God wants everybody to be able to know the difference between good and evil. And this kosher thing is testing for us. It helps us to identify. If you could do it in the natural, you will do it in weightier matters. So where does that leave us? And where did that leave me as a, a rabbi who was scared to death to come in? God forbid something crazy happened. John 1, listen to this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test 
the spirits, to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out. So it is okay. See, testing the spirits is, doesn't mean identifying them immediately. It means testing them. Okay? And when it comes to discernment, and I'm going to bring this really personal now, okay? Real personal. When it comes to discernment, most every believer thinks they have the gift, and a lot of, fo- a lot of believers don't. And I'm going to explain why. Discernment is very much embedded into our makeup and our upbringing. Let me explain this. Person comes now, God, a man comes to you, right? Says, hi, how you doing? Your insides start to shake. Like, this guy, for some reason, is unsafe. You may think it's your spiritual gift of discernment operating. But in many cases, it's not. He looks like your dad who abused you. You may meet a woman and your, your insides will go unclean, unclean, unclean. But it's not a spiritual gift. It's that the woman reminds you of somebody who hurts you. Sometimes people can remind you of your old self. Because as we go along our, our lives as believers, there are things about us that die, that die daily. And then you meet somebody who seems to be operating in this way that you've put so much work into not doing. And they bug the hell out of you. You may think it is a spiritual gift of discernment, but it is not. It is your flesh rising up. Because what is the value of just discerning everybody else's spirit if you can't discern your own discernment abilities? And before we go like this, okay, clean, unclean, clean, unclean, God wants us to be able to discern ourselves. When are we operating out of flesh? When are we operating out of wound? All right. This is, might be a little bit sensitive, but I feel strongly about it. So it was mentioned that Holocaust Remembrance Day is this week. Yom HaShoah, my, Holocaust Remembrance. My family, we have Holocaust experience in my family. I've shared that here before. Uh, I remember growing up, my uncle used to show me the tattoos um, of, uh, from the camps. He was the only survivor in that part of the family. And I grew up in a home where the attitude was, if you are not Jewish, do not trust them. And it is still pervasive in my family. I remember times that I would go on a job interview, and my mother would go, did you get the job? And I would say, no. And she would go, is he an anti-Semite? Like, like, uh... Who's it from Seinfeld? Who's who's, who's Jerry's uncle? Leo. Uncle Leo is an anti-Semite. Jerry's an anti-Semite. So I grew up with that in my house. Everybody was an anti-Semite. My my, my mother would say, you know, I I would get a bad review on my my job. Why'd you get a bad review? My, I really messed up my job. No, no, no. Your boss is an anti-Semite. And I would say, Mom, he's not an anti-Semite. And she would go, trust me. I know it. I can smell it. I know it. I've, ex- 
experienced it. I grew up in a household that was very affected by the Holocaust. I can smell anti-Semitism. And I say now, with all with humility and, and with gentleness, that if you have experienced trauma in your life or in your generations, it does not enhance your ability to discern. It detracts from it because you want to self-protect. And if you experience trauma, your first reaction to things would be like, that's not safe. And many believers will think that's their gift of discernment operating, but it is not. It is a wound that God wants to heal of all of us. And I tell you, just like Solomon asked for the gift of discernment, not to just say, clean, unclean, clean, unclean, clean, unclean, clean, unclean, but to be able to judge righteously. God is looking. He desires greatly his body to be slow to judge and to recognize that our discernment is not as spiritual as we think sometimes. It comes from deep places sometimes in the natural, in the flesh. And as we seek further spiritual gifts, I really charge you because I know I need it myself to be able to say, God, I don't want to react to situations, to people, through a brokenness, through a wound that I have from my upbringing or my parents' upbringing or my great-grandparents' upbringing that kind of came down to me because that's not spiritual discernment. I want spiritual discernment, and I don't want that to be overruled by my fleshly discernment, which is flawed. And I charge everyone here to seek the Lord to improve your gift of discernment and to enable you to recognize when it is flesh discerning for you and not spirit. I cannot overemphasize how important this is. There was a time, Rabbi P I, was, I was not here for these moments when Rabbi, Rabbi Peter shared with me these times. Um, there, was a, there was a moment where there was praise and worship happening, and there was a woman praising and worshiping by the window, it was a different location, it was by the window, and the sunbeams were coming on her. And Rabbi Peter di perceived, discerned, that the woman was, was self, you know, she's elevating herself. She wants the sun to be modest, ele elevating herself, and he told her to stop. There was another time when uh, the, the, the firstborns were being blessed. He called up the firstborns, and they were being blessed, and, and a woman came forward and, and you know, put her talit over, and he said, no, 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 you stop. These are the things that really freaked me out. I wasn't at these events. I'm like, that's one of those times. I'm like, oh my gosh, is that what's expected of me? Am I supposed to really know? Like, as, as all this craziness is happening, like, am I supposed to know? Like, okay, that's good, that's bad? Well, after talking to Rabbi Peter more about it, it made me feel better. Because I thought that it was momentary. He saw a woman, he said, nope. He saw a woman with the talit, he said, nope. That's not what it was. It was actually the same woman. Both times. And he was working with her for a long time. It wasn't 
momentarily. The advice that I got from Rabbi Peter when I was like, Rabbi, I can't do this. He said, you have every right to test spirits. Test the spirits. Here's one. Say no to somebody. The woman with the flags, it would have been nothing wrong if I went to her in love and said, I, I don't know who you are, you know, but you're handing off flags, and I know that with people with flags, I know there's a spiritual component to that, but, and I don't know who you are. So I'm going to ask you to not hand out the flags and put the flags down for now until I get to know you better. That I very easily could have, but I didn't. And very often, if you say to somebody, no, don't do that, in love, and they go away forever, that's often the proof that there wasn't a good spirit there. Because the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And the spiritual gifts are under subjection, you know? And they're, they're under, you know, you know. So what is the lesson for me and for you? Uh, test the spirits. It is okay to test the spirits. You know what? If, you have, if, something, if somebody's like welling up, like, oh, my gosh, not, not cool. That, that's unclean right there. It is, and you're not sure, it is okay to not be sure. God is not calling us to see things that we just can't see unless he enables us to see it. it, it you know, it, John wouldn't have said test the spirits if he meant identify him immediately at first glance. But he says test the spirits to see whether they are from God for many false prophets have gone out. Test the spirits and test yourself. So, something, somebody goes up you sideways or you think, okay, that is an unclean spirit right there. If, if you're not sure, it's, it is a kosher, clean thing to do, to take a step back and say, Lord, what is happening here? What are you teaching me? Is this really about the person who's going up me sideways, or is there a part of me that needs to die? Are you ref is my discernment good? Or are you breaking my false discernment because it comes from an old wound? So. A donkey on the screen. Clean or unclean? Who says clean? Who says unclean? Unclean. That's a toiki. Clean or unclean? Clean. Clean or unclean? <laughs> As a sheep. Clean or unclean? Okay, Yeshua separates the sheep from what? How about the goats? Clean or unclean? Who? Who says unclean? Oh, only not too many. Clean. Grasshopper. And finally, clean. And you all are so lucky. Because I was this close to buying from the pet store a bag of live crickets, having them meet Yeshua in my freezer, which I've done before, boil all the impurities off of them, and bring them here on a plate with some honey, like locusts and honey, like Yochanan. So close to doing it. So close to exercise our our discernment, because God says those are clean, and we'd be like, ew, ew, ew. See, what we see is not always what God says is clean. 
<laughs> exactly. I think ultimately that's what the Spirit was saying. And by the way, talk about good discernment. She's got the best discernment when it comes to me. In, in all cases, I could be on the computer for hours, and in the moment that I'm about to like email somebody in a harsh way, she doesn't even know what I'm doing. I could be on for hours. She has no idea what I'm doing. All of a sudden, a little bit of anger will come into me. All of a sudden, from the cross room, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm emailing Fred. What are you emailing him? I'm emailing him that he shouldn't have done this. Well, you shouldn't do that. Read, read to me what you just are emailing. It's amazing ability to do that. So, I leave you with that. Number one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number one, test the spirits. But most importantly, test the spirits within yourself. God does want to give everybody a gift of discernment, of understanding what's right and wrong. That's not just for the gifted, that's for all of us. But test your gift of discernment. Make sure it is from him and not from the flesh, because it's very easily from the flesh. Number two, know the word of God, because the word of God is what discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. And number three, give a second look to the kosher stuff. Because that's God's instruction of how to grow our discernment. In Yeshua's name, amen.